And welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you along. I assume that many of you are listening to this on Monday after the Bucks came away with a big 113-102 win over the Atlanta Hawks in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals. This was one of those games that didn't start off so well for the hometown team. And when they got down by 15 early, you kind of had this sinking feeling like, oh boy, here we go again. But the Bucks scratched and clawed their way back into it, and they made it close by the end of the first quarter when it was 32-27. to Then they had it tied at halftime, kept it close after three quarters, and then you just had this feeling like, man, if they can just get a few shots to fall, then they could come away with home court advantage once again. And that's exactly what they did. It was the Chris Middleton Show. We will get to Chris Middleton coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. We'll hear from him uh, after the game. Also, we'll hear from Giannis Adetokounmpo, who had 33 points, along with uh, Middleton's 38 points, game-high 38 points. Uh, but also we'll hear from Mike Budenholzer and Bobby Portis as well. Immediately after the ball game was over on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee, Billy Schmidt and I had a chance to talk about the game that we had just witnessed moments earlier. The first six minutes, it was a disaster for the Bucks. They didn't do anything well. And, you know, I think there were some fans who turned on the game early, and it was something like 25 to 12 or something like that, and 27 to 12. And you're wondering what in the hell is going on after they played so, such dominating basketball in Game 2 on Friday night back at Pfizer Forum. They got off to a rough start. They chipped away at it. They chipped away at it. It was tied at halftime. It was a close game. Atlanta had a two-point lead at the end of the third quarter, and then it was the Chris Middleton show. Mm -hmm. Finished with 38 points, scored 20 in the fourth quarter. Look, I know that Chris Middleton sometimes frustrates fans with his inconsistency. I understand that. But... There are few better long-range closers when they get hot in the NBA right now than Chris Middleton. We saw it against Brooklyn in Game 5, and we saw it against Atlanta tonight in Game 3. Doug, he hit a different level in the future Olympian, as you heard uh, Reggie Miller say right there, took his game to a different level late into the game. And that that's all you can ask for. Uh, this game was the epitome of the high school kid that said, they had us in the first half, not going to lie. They did. I mean, you mentioned in the first six minutes, Atlanta came out with a fury of punches, right? They got you early and tagged a couple of quick body blows. Trey Young was feeling it quick. I think he had 10 points in the first, like, six minutes that, you, that you're that mm-hmm. you alluding to uh, in, in building that 15-point lead. Bogdanovich was moving a lot better than you had seen him in the first couple of games. He was trying to take some folks off the dribble. It was a different style, and Atlanta knew that they came out and, and right, we knew that this is how this was going to go, right? They have their first game in their home building. They got Cam Newton and Migos hanging out courtside. They were going to come out strong. And for Milwaukee into that second half, uh, or into the second quarter, we'll get into the second half, as you mentioned with Chris, late into the game, I thought it was so key getting the ball down low in the early stages of that first half being able to establish some offense because it was not working early outside. And surprisingly so, different than a lot of teams right now in the NBA, the Bucks 
focused their offense inside to out, and late they were able to hit a couple of huge shots outside. And that's where they're going to win basketball games and now six wins away from a potential mm-hmm. NBA championship. Now, I know. Makes me giggle. Now, I don't want to... I will caution everyone and say this is just about where they were two seasons ago when they were, again, six wins away from an NBA championship against the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we know what happened after that. But the way that this Bucks team is going to win a potential championship is to pound the ball inside and use the size advantage that you have. Yep, no doubt. And when you've got someone like Giannis Adetokounmpo, who is unstoppable when he gets the ball with a little bit ahead of steam, uh, you know, driving toward the blocks and taking it strong toward the rack, he's unstoppable. And sometimes he likes to, I mean, he tried to hit a fadeaway jumper a couple of times tonight and wasn't successful. He did make a three as all of Wisconsin is screaming, no, (laughs) but he he was able to to hit it, took a couple of them. One of them missed really, really badly. And like right after he was so successful, you know, taking it inside, spinning off of defenders uh, and the blocks and, and taking it to the whole strong. That's how you're going to win a championship. And, it seems overly simple, but it it is. No doubt. It, it, that's just it. I mean, basketball... It's it, a simple game. We, we make it a lot more complicated than really it needs do. to be. We make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. And especially, man, you mentioned it. He, he felt that sense of... of uh, invincibility, similar to two years ago, you mentioned where they were against Toronto. Yeah, one of my favorite moments in Giannis's young career have been in the midst of that Boston series. I think it was uh, it was the first game when Kyrie goes nuts. He has thirty two. They get blown out by twenty five at home. Sky is falling, and people are talking about a closed down Pfizer form. Mm-hmm. Let's just go play at the Mecca. And, and you're <laughs> you're in the midst of watching him l- lay out figure out how Boston's playing him, yep. and then say, ooh, this cat Al Horford, I can drum him every single time. Yeah. Right? I can curb stop him into submission. And he then took it for the next four games and, and took the ball straight down the lane. I think he's starting to realize a lot of the same things against Clint Capella. My guy John Collins there in Atlanta was big for fantasy basketball this year. But <laughs> frankly, man, him going out with four fouls there right out of the gates in the second half yeah. kept Capella on Giannis and man downhill. Capella just cannot stay with him. No, he really can't. And you want to talk about foul trouble? Giannis got into some early foul trouble as well. He had two quick fouls that were called on him. Listen, uh, you know, you go through how this game began, and it started out with a 7-0 run by Atlanta. They were up 10-2 at one point, and it just kind of started to snowball a little bit. Uh, on the Bucks, um, you know, and at that at point, point they, Gian- they were down. The Bucks were down twenty-two to eight. And at that point, Giannis looked. I don't know what you saw, Doug. Looked like he was struggling a bit with that calf strain. They, they put him on the injury report for the first time in the playoffs this day, right today, before this game. And you could tell there was a little something different going on early, and he was feeling his way through. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there was something that was going on there. Unfortunately for Giannis, and you hope that it's not something that is too significant for him because the Bucks are going to need him. Again, they haven't won anything yet. They've got home court advantage back, which is awesome. And they needed to get home court advantage back for how poorly they played in game one. And that's why when I was doing this show solo on Friday night after, to use your word, Billy, they curb stomped the Hawks in game two. That's why I was still as upset as I was about game one, because, again, when you haven't won anything yet, 
and it's game one, and you come out of the gate so poorly that you just don't give yourself an opportunity to keep home court advantage, yeah, it's going to be upsetting until you get it back. But to your point about you know two years ago against the Celtics, I was at that game. I think you, I, were, I don't know if you yep. were covering that game as well. I might have been sitting next to you. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but we were both at that game, and I, I remember being downstairs in the, the the hallway in between the locker rooms near the media room as well, and I saw the Celtics coming off the floor, and they were acting like they had just won the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it just fell right off the table, and people were calling for Brad Stevens' head two years ago, Isn't and he coached wild? for two more years. And, and and you can see how quickly the series can change. And 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 it's difficult because, Doug, I, I, I'm not going to lie, and, and this, is, this is how it continues, right? There's this learning curve that we're going through, I think, as Wisconsin sports fans, as Bucks fans, because as, as as you know, familiar as we were with the seven and eight seed, it's a little bit different punching in this round. And last series was so uh, imperative, and it, it was a great illustration of how the series changes from game to game. While ga- each game is incredibly different in its own right, the series will shift mm-hmm. narrative-wise sure. each game. Right now, the narrative is clearly on the side of the Bucks being able to retake and. Marv Albert touched on it a little bit. I know TNT put up a flashy graphic about it as the game was closing out. Now the narrative is going to shift to how long can Atlanta hang with Trey's ankle? Mm-hmm. Because that that's now where we're coming out because the Bucks took over the game when Trey Young was not in it. Reggie Miller said, oh, great chance for Lou Williams to take over. Great chance for the three-time six-man uh, of the year to, to have his crowning moment. He has those in the regular season to march against the Grizzlies. Right, which is where you want them right. to, to be if you're a Bucks fan. But the thing with Trey Young is he was feeling it early, and mm-hmm. he was left open on a couple of threes. He hit one from the Hawks logo earlier in the game, and you're like, oh, is oh this, right in Giannis's face, too. Is it, oh, that was wild. I know. Is it going to be another one of those games like in game one where he was just throwing mm-hmm. it in from all over the court and really took over that game by himself? Again, the PellaWI.com talking text line is open at 414-799-1973. It's the Palermo's Post Game Show. I'm Doug Russell with Bill Schmidt. Nick from Sussex writes in on the talking text line, an extra finger on my bourbon tonight after this game. Never lost hope, but was slightly worried fair enough well i get i, I get being that. slightly worried i get being slightly worried because I you was, know what we we all were doug it, it was a difficult spot yeah there. they had us the first half i'm not gonna lie they had us we weren't defeated but they had us they had us in that first quarter man they came out punching and that's the part of these series that are so enjoyable because right out of the gates man you know what this atlanta team is not laying down for anybody no and also I know, and I'm not going to wood. I, I had Bucks in five early before the series started. I still think we're trending in that vein. This is a great series as a warm-up, a precursor to what you're going to have to do to win four more games after you win the next two. Well, you talked about the, the Hawks punching in the first quarter, and certainly they were landing all of their punches early in that first quarter until the Bucks started to claw back. Look, it was even basketball from about the midway point of the first quarter mm-hmm. right up until the midway point of the fourth quarter. And I made a comment to you as you and I were watching the game on the television here in the studio uh, before you know Chris Middleton went on that incredible run that he went on. I even tweeted it out at the time. And if I if my tweet was put out into the universe and it turned the tide, I'll take the credit for it. But 
you know how that goes. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'll I'll take any credit Might as well. I, right, yep. I'll take yep. take it when you can, can Doug. The take Hawks, it when you can. The Hawks really were playing exceptional defense at the time. The they weren't giving the Bucks anything. No. They weren't giving them open lanes. They weren't giving them open shots. They were pressuring. They did everything that you could expect a team that has. Lesser talent. I say that with respect to Atlanta because yeah. I give them all the credit in the world for mm-hmm. how far they've gotten. But look at just, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You have to outperform, which is certainly what they Big did in time. game one. That's exactly it. They outperformed, like in the Eastern Conference semifinals, they outperformed Philadelphia in that series. That's credit to Nate McMillan, Trey Young. All the mm-hmm. Capella, uh, Gallinari, all of them. It's it, Jason Collins. It's a credit to all of those guys. But when you look at the talent, player for player, pound for pound, the Bucks are the superior team in this series. And I don't think anybody really, if you were to ask a hundred experts, they yeah. would probably all say that Milwaukee was the the better of the two teams. So they did everything that they had to do to put themselves in a position to take a two games to one lead over Milwaukee on their home court. And then Chris just went off. He just took it. The Olympian took it like you needed him to. And I'll say this quick because, I mean, 38, 11, and 7, my goodness, Doug, if that's not a max money performance, then I don't know what is. Then I don't know what is. And, and those that's two of those, by the way. Yeah. In in what? The last five games? So can we then end the narrative that Chris Middleton shrinks in the oh, postseason? It's ending. It's ending. So we it can't... is getting knocked down in the foundation. Put up no retaining wall and the water is just cavalcating all the way through the backyard and into the basement of that foundation. Doug. I've got the official uh, game book in front of me, uh, and I'm going to send the PDF to Colin Cowherd, who likes to <laughs> uh, take his shots at Chris Middleton uh, for being a shrinking violet in the fourth quarter. This is Chris Middleton's line just in the fourth quarter. Eight of 13 from mm. the field, but played all 12 minutes. Uh, every, every second yep. of the fourth quarter. Eight of 13 from the field. Four of six from beyond the arc. Uh, three rebounds, three defensive rebounds. Oh. Plus minus of 13, finished with 20 points. Chris Middleton, fourth Ooh. quarter only. I need a cigarette after that. I that, mean, that was hot and heavy. That is how he closed. That mm-hmm. is how he willed his team to getting back home court advantage. So the next person who says that Chris Middleton is a shrinking violet in the postseason, I will send me an email and I will send you this fourth quarter box score. Well, in Doug too, I'll send multiple different box scores because you look at uh, for for you know sports fans like you and I who are you know maybe a little bit on the uh, on the extreme level. I don't like to use nerdy, but some folks try to, to pigeonhole that. What I'll tell you here is Basketball Reference will give you a game log of every single postseason game mm-hmm. that Chris Middleton has ever played. And you can go through that game log. You can see how many games that he scored in the teens, how many games he scored from 20 to 29, 30 to 39. And you can break it down and see that that guy plays well and plays better generally than he does in the regular season in this style of game. Man, that fourth quarter was vintage Get on the block, let the guy who's cooking have the rock, and he was taking John Collins off the dribble. Mm -hmm. Danilo Gallinari, you can come have a piece if you want. Clint Capella, step on out here and you can get yours, big fella. Even Trey Young stepped out there for a quick lunch special and got served up. So you're able to see Middleton in in that groove. And I was talking to you through the first three quarters. I'm like, 
is this not the quietest 18 points in three quarters that you've ever felt sure. from Chris Middleton? And then he had a loud 20. And then he <laughs> dropped it all down on the table and let us all see it down in the Broad City. And by the way, the shots from the Deer District, man, if you were down in the Deer District, I, I would love to. I know we'll, we'll take calls on it tomorrow on the crossover. I'm sure you guys on uh, Drew and KB and then on OBS, uh, you're going to be doing that as well. But I know that Ted loves to talk to guys that are in the Deer District. We would love to hear from you if you're down there as well. Just, I mean, there's no game going on inside. They just have the big screens mm-hmm. set up, uh, both it, where in, in the Deer District proper on Herb Cole Way, but then also where the Bradley Center was as well for the spillover. And then they had the 40-foot beer garden uh, and then inside the Mecca Sports Bar and Grill as well. There are a couple of anniversaries that just kind of strike me about when I think about how far this Bucks team has gone. It was eight years ago today, eight years ago today, that Giannis Adetokounmpo was drafted. And that's something else. And then on June 18th, which was, what, a week or so ago, that was the five-year anniversary of the groundbreaking of Pfizer Forum. Mm-hmm. And I just remember speaking with Wes Edens that day, and he was talking about, yeah, we are going to bring. You know, there was no There was no wavering. Yep. There, was there was no, no wait. There was no wavering in his voice. We're going to bring an NBA Finals to this site, which... If you've lived in Milwaukee for the last 20 years, you know that that corridor, the Park East Freeway corridor, was urban blight for so many years. And it was like tumbleweeds would just yeah. roll through that area. In the and middle of winter. In the, right. When games were going yeah. on, yep. during games, you couldn't get anybody to go down there. And now it is everything that this community was just begging for when... This team was sold from Herb Cole to Lazarini. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, and Doug, there were just so many nights as I had just an, an incredible time. You know, I was a ball kid in high yeah. school, so I had mm-hmm. some some nights where you're walking out of there. It's ten ten thirty Saturday night. Bucks just got a huge win over the Celtics, and you walk downtown Milwaukee, and it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an eerie whistle, and it was a calm. And I remember one of my best friends, Nate, who I worked with and I went to high school with. We were talking. We're like, man. This city could be so much more lively. It's 1030 at night on a Saturday. How is it this dead? How is it this quiet? And frankly, you just mentioned it. It was that Park East area that was really whatever restaurant was, was funneling through underneath that parking structure. <laughs> legends the for a while. Yeah, yeah, legends, courtside, yeah, court yeah. seats, seat geek, whatever it ended up being each and every year. And it was just funneling through. It was spinning, spinning your wheels, mm-hmm. spinning your wheels. And from going to games where... 10 minutes before tip-off, you could count 96 people in the lower bowl. That's the difference that we saw here tonight with that group here. And uh, I don't know. This has to be some kind of omen. The great Wayne Larravee has delivered a dagger. Oh. He's delivered a dagger to the NBA Finals. Bucks deliver the dagger in Game 3. This series is over. On to the Finals. Congratulations, Bucks. Wow. I hope that's not, you know, premature daggeration from, from my guy. Oh, my God. From this Wayne. This is Wayne Larrabee's music. I love it. All right, Wayne. Oh, People yeah. are, uh, I'll tell you this, Doug, uh, social media is as confident as I have ever, 
ever seen as confident as that one buddy when he walks over with three Jack and Cokes. <laughs> uh, the Bella WI.com talk and text line uh, is open again. 414-799-1973. Steve from Whitewater. Uh, he writes in, it's so nice cracking open a fresh high life after a huge Bucks win. And here are my boys on the radio. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate Steve, you're you. the man. Uh, he also he writes back again that I think the KB gets a game ball because he tweeted before the game that the Bucks will try to win by 10, and they didn't look pretty getting there, but they did get there. So that's from Stephen Whitewater. Well, we got game balls. Well. we'll have game balls and kicks to the balls tomorrow. Uh, tonight, though, however, uh, this is the only game ball that, that anybody will get. No! No. No, we're not giving out any of those yet. No, no, no. I yet. will say, though, game ball to uh, the folks in Vegas that decided to install this at four and a half. 90-minute <laughs> drive down south until they ran out of paper in DuPage County. Doug. I'm sure. Oh, I bet. I bet. And now, you know, you've got game four. Or Rivers Casino. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, Rivers Casino's not that far. No. That's no, just hop, skip, and a jump. John. Yeah, easy John. I used right to live there. in that neighborhood, so I'm quite familiar, as they say. Going inside the box score, uh, Giannis finished with 33 points. We already talked about Chris Middleton and his 38, but Giannis, 13 of 21 from the field. So a lot of high percentage shots in there. Yeah, a couple of fadeaways here and there. Um, but still 13 of 21, a lot of finger rolls, a lot of taking it to the hole. Uh, one of two from beyond the arc. Yeah, he made one, and then he missed one pretty badly as well. Um, I was hoping that the Atlanta fans were going to continue to count because when he releases it at 12, it's money. It's money every single mm-hmm. time. He took too long. One time they got to 13, he clanked it. They just started razzing him and cheering him, and that's when he shot the air ball. Yep. Keep counting, please. Keep giving it to him. Give it as many times as you want, as loud as you try to be, whatever you think you can do, however you think it's working. Uh, it's not. It's actually helping him. It's like Cheryl Miller said to uh, skip. Uh, or, or Spike Lee when Reggie Miller had the cough or the, mm. the choking sign. You know you're helping him. He's just dropped 11 in the last yeah. three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, taking a look at the rest of the starters. Uh, again, this was a game that was carried offensively by Middleton and Atetokounmpo. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 10 points on four of six from the field, so a lot of high percentage shots in there. P.J. Tucker only shot the ball three times. Um, two of them were three-pointers, made one of his two three-pointers. Uh, finished with three points for the game. That was his entire offensive output. Drew Holiday, though, really still struggling tough, from the field. Tough night. Yeah, another tough night. Two of 11 uh, overall, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. He finished with just six points. Uh, Bobby Portis, 16 and a half minutes off the bench, 7 of 12 shooting, finished with 15 points. That's about where Bobby Portis needs to live. And I'm, listen, he's been everything that you want him to be as long as he gets about. You know, 16, 17, 18 minutes. If you can make him live in there and spread it out, that he's he's going to give you a lift. And I know he was yeah. in the game a little bit earlier for Giannis because Giannis had some foul trouble, as we were talking about a few minutes ago. But if Bobby Portis can live in there and he can give you maybe 12 to 18 points a game, I'm satisfied with that. When Giannis got that second foul, I want to say it was about 7.30 left on the clock in the first quarter. Uh, it was so early, Bud had to keep him out there for at least a run or two uh, up and down the floor. And he brings in Portis. And I get where there was uh, this sense of where's Bobby Portis? Did he punch somebody in the face as Nikola Miritich back on the squad? Uh, feels during the Brooklyn series. But I thought Jim Ozarski put it really, really well in the midst of one of the conversations while we're all freaking out. He's like, hey, 
if the starting center is not getting a lot of run, the backup man is not going to get a lot of run. But in game one, Doug, you noticed how well the energy inside from Capella and Collins, Mm -hmm. it was frustrating, Giannis. It was frustrating, Lopez. Yep. And whether or not it's, uh, mm, how do we say this? Politically correct. If, you know, the children are in bed by now, somebody's got to be the A. Yeah. Right, somebody's got to yeah. be the A, sure. and Bobby does a great job of being able to do that in a controlled sense. Right, like there's never many moments where you feel like Crazy Eyes is truly out of whack or, or like truly out of control. He has some real controlled aggression that he was able to tap into, and offensively tonight, whoo, he had the ball in his hand and he was feeling it right out of the gates. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Kevin in the 262 writes, frustrating the Portis can't buy more minutes if he tried. Patty gets more minutes than he deserves. We can talk about that coming up. Time now to hear from Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer, who was asked after the game if he had ever seen Chris Middleton as hot as he got in the fourth quarter tonight. Yeah, you know, um, just being around him a lot and he, he starts to see it go in. He starts to feel good. He gets in the rhythm. He can score different ways. Uh, he and Giannis in a you know, two-man game. Um, it's a tough choice. So, um, you know, huge fourth quarter. I think he had 20 in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, just um, glad he's on our side. What does it mean to you when P.J. has what is a wide-open quarter three and instead finds him for 1-1? Yeah, it's a great just, you know, I think uh, P.J.'s IQ, P.J.'s awareness. I thought P.J. on the boards was huge. He got – you know, offensive rebound, couple of them, defensive rebounds, the physicality he brings to our group. Uh, but, yeah, that extra pass to Chris when he's rolling to feel that and see it, um, you know, those are important. And then just for you, the way that Giannis was going early in the game and then just often throughout, what do you think of the physicality that he brought and the presence that he brought tonight? Yeah, good. You know, um, I, like you said, I think he got, got some good stuff going early. I thought the big fadeaway in the middle, um, you know, Lay was a big basket. His screen setting, um, playing in transition, um, you know, so um, he's going to, you know, have to fill his cup back up and get ready to go again. Like, uh, how much of tonight's team was sort of weathering storms? Obviously, 7-0, down 15, and then even early fourth when Young was out, that they, they kind of make a run. Yeah, no, I mean, um, credit to Atlanta. They came out well. Um, they executed, they ran in, tra- they got behind us um, in transition, um, you know, so we, we did not have a good start. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of different stretches, um, you know, weren't our best, but credit to the players in the fourth quarter, you know, 17 point defensive quarter, um, just to find a way to win. You know, it's, it's uh, on the road. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. So the guys just found a way tonight. Right along with that, I mean, a start like you had on the road in a game like this can be overwhelming. Is there something that you said or something that was talked about in a huddle just to try to calm this down a little bit? No, I mean, I remember one time Giannis said, just do it stop by stop. You know, I think Giannis's leadership in the timeouts, Giannis saying, you know, I think when you go to your defense and when, you, when that's what you're talking about in timeouts, uh, when you're not playing well, um, you know, we think that's where it starts. And so I think Giannis and Chris and those guys just getting stops, you know, trying to wear them down. Um, so I think it's just good. That's our identity. We want to be good defensively and play off of that. Uh, You've had Chris for three years. And his numbers have been relatively you know, flat, but it seemed like he's more comfortable, I guess, 
any situation maybe a little more mature than a couple years ago? Have you noticed that kind of levels? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, he's in a good place. I think, you know, our whole group, um, you know, sometimes you have to go through some things. Um, I, I didn't understand everything you said, but, I, you know, he's, he's in a good place now. And, um, you know, I think between Drew and Chris and Giannis and then whoever else is on the court, you know, with them, just finding good spots, um, there's a lot of confidence in the group. Following up on that, but to have had Chris pick up three, four fouls and then have that fire come in the fourth quarter specifically, where sometimes that's been the time where things get overwhelming, what kind of growth does that show? Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, the foul trouble and just, uh, you know, sometimes that can get you off your game. Um, and just, you know, both teams are, you know, constantly complaining and, and frustrated and, and Chris, you know, you know, is, isn't any different, but then to compose himself, deal with his own personal foul trouble, deal with whatever's going on in the game, compose himself and score 20 in the fourth quarter. Um, just speaks to his character, to his growth. Um, you know, he's a hell of a player. Mike, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things about defense, especially the second team, the fourth quarter. How did you manage to settle in defensively, especially from the point where I think you run into the back of the yeah, um, you know, I think the, I think just the rotation, the subbing, um, got to a place. You know, I think Todd came back in the game, and you know, he brings a great physicality, brings a great defensive mindset. Um, you know, we were able to get a couple of rebounds, and I think found a couple of threes in transition, and the game just flipped right there. I think we were up ninety six, ninety five, and um, but. You know, I, I think more just some natural selves, but but I, I thought Tuck was was huge in the fourth quarter, huge just you know on the boards. Um, but Chris, Giannis, you know, Chris is switching on to Trey Young, Tuck's switching on to Trey Young, Giannis, all these guys are having to take their turns, and then they got to battle the big guys on the boards. So I think taking care of the boards was a big thing, big carryover from game one. Um, you know, so it, it's just a lot of little things add up to good defense. Three years of you with Chris, you would say like, yeah, it just feels like he just rolled out of bed. Like he, <laughs> he can do it. Do you feel like there's like a, I don't know, edge tenacity that like it has flipped a little bit in this third year, or, or kind of just what are your thoughts on that? Maybe it's the same. Um, no, I mean, I, I think he's grown. Like you know, it, it's a credit to Chris, the work, the time he puts in. But I think he's constantly growing as a player. Um, you know, just I think evolving, finishing some of his left hand finishes tonight. Um, impressive and um, you know and I, I think you know having Drew as a point guard and getting him into places and obviously Giannis and he have a combination of a feeling and play well together so but I think Chris has just grown as a player. But you know Chris is one of those guys that doesn't point to himself and create a lot of, you know, attention. He was a second round pick. A lot of NBA fans probably don't even know where he went to college. Why, why do you think he's been able to go so far under the radar for his entire career when he can be capable of doing what he did tonight? Yeah, no, it's, it's hard to sometimes, you know, understand, you know, who catches and uh, people's attention and so on and so forth. But He's a winner, you know, from the day I've been around him, he's done nothing but win. Um, he does all the little things. 
Um, he's quiet, but uh, his voice is loud in our locker room. His voice is loud in our timeouts. Um, you know, so I, I think he's just, he's one of those guys that's, you know, very smooth and just, you know, has a way of playing and can score in, in, in ways that, you know, I think kind of sneak up on people. And, um, but he, he went to Texas A&M where my oldest son is a senior also. So go, go Aggies. Does he rise to the level of superstar? I know you're a little biased, but would you <laughs> characterize him as a superstar in this league? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not big on, you know, uh, labeling and phrases and terms and all that stuff. He's just a hell of a player. Um, all the, there's lots of great players in this league, and um, we know what Chris can do for us and how we can win with him, and um, that's what's most important. Just checking back in on Giannis. I mean, obviously, he had huge numbers, real slow start, and in the fourth quarter, there was a time where he had both hands on his knees. How is his calf? Did you think it took him a minute to, to actually get loose? Um, you know, I think the calf is, is in a good place. You know, he's going to have to stay on top of it. He's going to have to get, you know, I think extra time with the sports performance group. But, you know, all these guys, you know, Drew 42, Chris 42, 43 minutes, Giannis 40 or whatever he's at. Um, in this series, recovery and taking care of your body in between games were every other day for, for the whole series. So, you know, Giannis and his calf, everybody with their whole bodies, we got to put time in between now and, uh, and tip for game four. Feels a lot better, though, after you win, and especially if you can get this series. Now, look, I don't, I don't want to put anything before it's due, and I know that there are a lot of Bucks fans who are thinking Bucks in five right now, and that's all well and good. If you can get this series over in five games as opposed to six or seven, that's only going to help with that tender calf. You talked about it earlier, uh-huh. and Bud was just asked about it at the end of his presser uh, from tonight's ball game. Yeah, I mean, look, they're playing every other game, uh, playing every other day. Now, there, obviously, there's no back-to-backs in that, but the, sure. you also don't have three or four days off. The Bucks did have three days off going into this series, even though they played a seven-game series against Brooklyn in the last round, as did Atlanta. Atlanta only had two days off. But as much rest as you can possibly get when you do have those nagging little uh, injuries, because... I tell you what, there's the, of, of the four teams that are left, of the starters that are playing significant minutes, ain't nobody 100% right now. Nobody is. Nobody is. And, and, and I get the injury bug has bitten so many teams across the NBA so far this year. And the league got this. They got what they wanted. They had like a nine-week offseason, and that's what you're going to get. But we've seen teams that exited earlier last year, earlier than they anticipated, all making deeper runs, and for the Bucks to act like they haven't been hit by the injury bug, mm-hmm. I th- I lost a starter, right? Now, Dante's yeah. not sure. necessarily their number one, two, or three option. But, still a starter. But they lost a starter and a guy that plays 25, 30 minutes a night, and into this run here, Doug, I don't know how much P.J. Tucker's playing tonight if Dante DiVincenzo is playing, right? Like, that's those are the minutes sure. that you're losing there, and you're losing a little something offensively there. How about this? Conference finals, there have been two players outside of what Chris Middleton did tonight. 35-plus, 10 boards, five dimes, five made threes. Could you guess who those two players are that have done it in the conference finals? Um, I'm just going to take an educated guess and say LeBron James was one of them. LeBron James has done it twice. Okay. And the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry, did it as well. There you go. That's some pretty elite company Mm -hmm. to be sitting here right now. A couple of guys are going to wind up in Springfield when all is said and done. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not just... uh, 
That's I don't know. That's not just two time All Star where they like throw you into the All Star game. They well, don't just spe- throw you into the All Star game doing this kind of stuff. Right. Well, well, speaking of throw ins, I mean, Bud was asked about you know Chris Middleton's a quiet guy, and you were talking you know when yeah. we were listening to Coach. Uh, about the day after he was traded for, uh, you know, in the Brandon Jennings trade, he was the throw-in. Hanging out. Hanging out. Brandon Knight, you know, your trivia question, who's, you know, what players played for all four teams that are left (laughs) in both conference finals, it's Brandon Knight. But Brandon Knight was the centerpiece of that trade. And then he was spun off, and Middleton's just kind of hanging around, still doing his thing. He signed a couple of big contracts, including the Max contract Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And like you said, they don't just give guys all-star game nods because they're nice guys. No. Chris Middleton is a two-time all-star. You can make the argument that he should be a three-time all-star, maybe a four-time all-star. But this was a guy, again, second-round pick who was a throw-in. I mean, this year's MVP, he was, here's the other trivia question, uh, when Giannis, or I'm sorry, when Jabari Parker was drafted uh, in 20. Uh, 14. 14. Yeah, 2014. The anniversary of that was the other day mm-hmm. as well. And that didn't go well for Jabari Parker, but this year's MVP happened to be the 44th pick. Isn't that wild? In, in that draft. So, I mean, you don't know how guys are going to develop once they get here. Malcolm Brogdon was the rookie of the year, a second round pick. And the 44th pick in that, in that draft, yeah. as you mentioned, won the MVP. Beat the number Jokic, three yeah. overall pick in that year's draft with Joel yes, Embiid, yes. where everybody at Summerfest, where the Bucks were having their party, was like, "Don't take Embiid, my God, he's busted, he's broken." Yeah. And, and I don't know if he's ever going to be a hundred percent. But who's got who has who's had the better career, Embiid or Parker? Jabari Parker's been on half the teams in the NBA since he left the Bucks, and at least Joel Embiid is still a superstar. Now Nikola Jokic is your MVP. Well, and you can you can debate. I mean, we say well, I know, we can but... say Joel Embiid can't stay healthy. Uh, he probably is a little bit healthier than the other guy too. Well, <laughs> there at then, the top, right? Well, then Jabari, yeah. right? Then Jabari. I mean, like there's there's so much in there. However. You, you, you continue to, to rise it and break it through. Uh, you mentioned that day. Uh, I'm sitting there, and Chris Middleton is standing next to us at the uh, the Bucks Herb Cole milk tent. Uh, oh, as sure. people are serving out root well. beer milks, and he's sitting here with some random root beer milk. He's like, y'all people are crazy drinking this. Like, I don't even know where you <laughs> find this kind of stuff, but it slaps, so I'm in. And, and just having, like, the most natural, genuine conversations, and, and that's actually where I found out that he went to Texas A&M. As I sat there, yeah. and I said... Hey man, where'd you play college? Texas A and M. What else did you decide next to? And just like takes me through like a run through his recruiting trails sure. and stuff like that. And that's the the nature of guys who come from that second round status who are able to develop their game mm-hmm. and get great looks and great opportunities. Man, Chris Middleton was able to play 35 minutes on a team that won 15 games and say, okay, I can play in this league, yeah. right? I can fill it up here. And ultimately, the Bucks' patience pays off, uh, but Chris's hard work is paying off the way that he's playing right now, and I'm just so happy for him, dude. I'm thrilled for him, and again, six wins away. Bucks haven't won anything yet. Don't want to jinx anything. I'm still on the Ted Davis train of I'm hopeless because it's just serving us better at this point. But I think I mentioned this to you on your show on OBS uh, on Friday. But for everyone around the NBA who's waiting for Giannis to bloom into a champion, 
Michael Jordan didn't win his first championship until six years into the league, and he played college ball. Mm-hmm. LeBron three James. Three years, too. Three years of college basketball. Uh, LeBron James obviously didn't play. He was one of the high school kids that came out and didn't really miss a beat when he got to the NBA. But still, it took him seven years before he won his first NBA championship. And when you think of those guys, I mean, LeBron James went to, what, eight straight NBA finals? Yep, nine of ten. Nine of ten. And uh, Michael Jordan won three in a row, then retired, then came back and won another three in a row. You think of these guys as champions, multiple-time uh, MVPs, multiple-time uh, NBA champions, multiple-time finals MVPs. Listen, if if this is the path right now of how you build up a superstar into a champion, can you imagine? I, I, again, they haven't won one yet, and I don't want to go all, we're not talking about one, two, or not three. three. Not, not three, three not, not four. Not five. Right. I don't want to do that, but where Giannis is right now in his life and in his development as an NBA superstar, he's right where he needs to be. This is the plan. The plan is coming together, and you don't want to rush anything. He's where he needs to be right now. He's in the perfect location, the perfect situation for him with the perfect city that fits his personality, with the perfect organization that has let him develop. Well, and I know that this sounds obvious, but the first one is always the hardest one to of get. Of course. Right? Yeah. The first one is always the hardest mm-hmm. one to get. And to to stack up these opportunities and and learn and have some of those hardened battle scars. It's one of the reasons why I think it would have been a horrendous look for the NBA if the Brooklyn Nets would have won the NBA championship this year. It would mm-hmm. have been straight AAU ball. I heard Chris Broussard say it uh, on on uh, the Odd Couple. Right. And, and just, I mean, laying it out, like you're saying we'll take the best player from Maryland, best player from Virginia, best player from Texas, and we're going to go and run the whole thing. Yeah. For for the Bucks to to have those battle scars of the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals that we bring up last year, not meeting expectations and ha- being up in multiple series, and you know what, Doug, they've also been the Atlanta Hawks, right? Mm-hmm. Remember the first time you go up to Toronto and you win that game one by fifteen mm-hmm. sixteen points. And and everybody's feeling bucks and six come on back and you lose in six and you lose in your own building. Those are those are tough pills to swallow. Those are those are the scars that you know we all remember the shot in Utah, but we don't remember uh, the Detroit Pistons bullying the hell out of Michael Jordan. We don't think of those right. LeBron teams going up against the Celtics, pounding his head into the wall. Mm-hmm. Like how am I going to beat Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett? Yep. Those parts of it are all making this so much sweeter and prove, man, the first one is always going to be the hardest one to get. I'll spin it into football for just a second. There are two quarterbacks that come to mind immediately that it took them forever to get over the hump. There was a narrative about Peyton Manning, arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I mean, that's so true. There's a debate. But for years, it was he can't win the big one. He can't win the big one. Then the Indianapolis Colts finally do win the Super Bowl in Miami against the Chicago Mm -hmm. Bears. Finally, he won the big one. Five MVPs along the way. Then they thought his career was over. And then he, oh, by the way, goes to Denver and wins another one. Hits another one. Slaps another one on there. And and went to another one as well. And went to another one as well. Mm -hmm. And the other one is John Elway. Yep, Johnny. Lost three Super Bowls. His first three. And then, tragically, against the Packers in Super Bowl thirty-two. 
Um, didn't happen. No worries. Yeah, didn't didn't happen. Happen. Well, according to most Packers fans, they think they blocked that one out. That to me, that's the most painful loss of, of any game I've ever covered in my life. I brought it up to Leroy. He said it didn't happen. That helicopter didn't happen. <laughs> right. That highlight didn't happen. But then at the end of his career, he walks off the field not having won one Super Bowl championship, but two in a row. Mm-hmm. And he's thought of as a great champion. You're right. I mean, it sounds overly simplistic, but it really, really isn't. Yeah. That first one is so hard because once you get that pressure release valve and it just it just becomes easier because you've done it. I've got a saying that's really overly simplistic on the surface as well. It's that you haven't done it until you've done it. Mm -hmm. And then after you've done it, you've done it. There's just a lot. There's. I think there's a little bit more wisdom and truth in that than what it appears on the surface. For sure. Because it's so hard to become a champion. But once you've reached that that pinnacle, man, it's so much easier to get that second one just looking down saying, all right, I know what it takes to climb this mountain. And, and as well, I mean, you, you touched on it there. Think of, think of Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, he's a top 25 player of all time. Yeah. And, and it took him later stages in his career where people were laughing and clowning his MVP awards from like a half a decade mm-hmm. earlier when when he lost in the first round. So this is a this is a process. Jason Kidd didn't win his only title until he was mm-hmm. 33, 34 with that Dallas Mavericks yep. team. Chris Paul is I mean discussing and potentially in the same situation. Chris Paul is one of the top seven point guards of all time. Yeah, probably. And uh, is, is sitting here with only two trips to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. We've we've become so championship hungry and driven and focused, and that is where that's where this starts. That's what this is about. But remember, there's some really damn good players that work their entire lives to have two chances that the Bucks have had in the last two years or two or three years. That's making this all the more sweeter at the age of 26 for Giannis. It's true, and maybe when you get it too early, it, it's um, it may feel a little bit easier if you want to look at the examples of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, both winning their yeah. only Super Bowl at 27, no and then... Wait, I thought this was supposed to be easy. No, you got to go through those battles, man. The Packers fans don't want to hear this, but when the Packers won Super Bowl Forty Five, it was a fluke. They got hot at the right time. Oh, they totally barely did. They were they eight and six at one point that season and barely sneaked into the playoffs. I just I distinctly remember um, one local radio show host, uh, morning show host at the time. Uh, while the Packers were going into the playoffs, uh-huh. say, uh, you know, they were doing like predictions for the next year, doing predictions uh-huh. going into the next year. And and this one local radio show host, listened to it all the time, uh, would say, said, you know what? I think next year is the year the Packers are winning the Super Bowl. Okay. This next year, the Packers are winning the Super Bowl. And by God, he was right. I mean, two months later, five weeks later, the Packers had a Super Bowl. And I think he meant the next season. Right. However, hey. That Doug Russell cat was one wise, wise man. It's a wise something or other. <laughs> he was a wise something. Yeah, right. All right, let's uh, go back into the locker room. Let's hear from the man of the hour. Here's Chris Middleton after his 38-point performance. Well, I, I mean, Mike talked a little bit, or Bud talked a little bit about, you know, you had four fouls on in the third. Things were kind of sliding, and I guess a uh, negative direction for you in the, in the foul calls and then to come back in the fourth to heat up the way you did. How did you have to collect yourself at all and, and, and refocus? What, like what kind of flipped there for you from that time, you know, you kind of had to sit to coming back in? No, nah, I mean, I definitely disagree with the foul calls that I got. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. They call the fouls. I just got to move on from it. Um, that's all I did. Uh, came out, just took it as a no more rest. 
um, and just be ready to go um, when I came back in. Um, I mean, you've, we've seen you on heaters like that in, in the regular season, things of that nature. Is it, as you're sitting here now, is it a little different? Does it feel different knowing the stage and, and the stakes and kind of what it meant to, to do that? No, nah, I don't think about the stage at all when we're playing. Um, you know, I just try to, you know, stay in the moment, uh, stay in the possession, not worry about, you know, the playoffs or a regular season or a must win or just a, you know, a preseason game. You know, I try to play everything out the same way. Chris, um, you're a guy that's obviously like looked up to Kobe throughout your career. You are now a postseason closer. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, what does it mean to be the guy that gets the ball in those uh, it feels good. I will say that. I mean, um, I think where our team was so unselfish, if anybody has it going, uh, that ball goes to them. Uh, some games is me, some games is Giannis, some games is Drew. Um, we all have a great feel about who has it going, who has the best matchup, and who can create the best look. So um, when it's my turn or my time to have it, you know, I'm thinking the same way to try to get the best shot up for everybody. For you, PJ has an open corner three. And I mean, we all know what he can do as a corner three point shooter, and he gives it to you as you're on that heater. Just what was it like for you to know that he's got that trust that I'm going to swing it? No, that's just, he's one of the most unselfish teammates. He puts his body on the line every possession. And he just tells it, he talks to everybody playing the right way. Um, talks about the extra passes, moving the ball, stuff like that. He doesn't care about his shot attempts or anybody's shot, shot attempts. He just wants to find a way to win. Chris, was there like a, a moment or a shot that it was like, all right, yeah, this is, I, I know, this is this is going to keep going in now? Uh, I can't think of one specifically. I mean, I, I think once I realized I had two in a row, just told myself to keep trying to find uh, a shot to get up, um, knowing that I was going to have a good chance of getting in. Um, that's how I was thinking at that time. I know you're not one to turn around and pat yourself on the back, even when your teammates are, but do you allow yourself to be proud at all of putting up a 20-point Fourth quarter? Yeah, I'm proud of, of myself, you know, no matter what. Um, you know, second round pick, um, working my way into rotation after I got traded. Um, to me, that's a win. So every time I'm out there, I play with pride. It doesn't matter if I play play well um, or play bad. Uh, I know I'll give them, give them my all out there. Um, that's what I'm most proud about. Thank you. Just curious, like two years ago, you got just getting um, But, you know, during the postseason, um, we realized that each game is a different game um, and each game matters. You can't look ahead or look behind. You have to move on even in possession. So um, that's all, you know, I try to, you know, talk to the guys um, on the bench during timeouts and during the games, just, you know, mistake happens, stay with it. Um, we always have, we always say, go never too high, never too low. But you, you don't see the, the type of frustration, Bill, but is there a frustration when you're supposed to get to the finals and you don't and you know that these opportunities are precious? Yeah, those frustrations come after the season, the off season, when I'm at home watching guys play, um, but on the court, no, I don't think about those things too much. Even if we lost, we lose. Um, it's all about moving on to the next one, find a way to get better and win the next game. Is your uh, elbow okay? Yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. Uh, kind of follow up what Vince talked about. Um, obviously, the team that you're playing is different. You won the first two, two years ago in the conference finals, but you are again to win away from the finals. Um, does it feel different this time? I couldn't, you know, give you an honest opinion. I really don't think about, you know, the past or that Toronto series too much. We have a whole new team. I feel like I've gotten better personally. Our team has gotten better um, all around. Um, like I said, more experience. So we just stayed in one game at a time. We're not thinking about two games away from the finals like you guys keep saying. We're just thinking about the next game, trying to get this next one. Um, I'm here too, before we go back home. 
Chris during the stretching at the fourth quarter? Does it feel different to you when you're going through it, or do you feel like it's a normal stretch of basketball to you? It feels like it's a normal stretch of basketball to me. Um, there's tons of possessions in games. Um, but now, yeah, it felt normal. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Chris, like you mentioned, you were a second-round pick. When people think of the Milwaukee Bucks, the first person that always would come to mind is Giannis. And here you are scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter of one of the biggest playoff games in franchise history. What is it like to have that journey to go from second-round pick to playoff closer breaking records in franchise marks? It's great. I mean, um, you know, it's a career I wanted since I was a kid um, to be a professional basketball player, uh, to have a huge impact on my team in any way. Um, so each day, um, my dream is reality, it feels like. So you know, I'm out there just playing hard, trying to find a, a way to win, but also enjoying it, having fun in the moment. What's the biggest reason why you have attained what you have and that you're able to do these kind of things in games this big? Just trusting my work. Um, that's what it comes down to, the work, you know, in the off season, um, during the season, um, and learning, just learning the game at each step. Why, why do you think you guys are able to handle going down the way you did in the first quarter? Like, in game one, the same thing happened, and it got away from you. Tonight it didn't. What was kind of the difference? Is it somebody saying something? You guys going through it again? Like, I mean, the main message was stay calm. I mean, we were going to get you know a good punch. They're at home. Um, they're feeling good. They got one on the road against us. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. When you're back home, you feel good about yourself. So our thing was we need. We definitely didn't start the way we wanted to, but um, just go ahead, and take that, take that hit, rebound, regroup, stay calm, uh, knowing that there's a lot of game left. Bucks forward Chris Middleton after just an incredible performance uh, last night, finishing with a game-high 38 points. Uh, again, just taking over the fourth quarter, uh, 20 of his 38 points coming in the final 12 minutes. Finishes overall 15 of 26 from the field, 6 of 12 from beyond the arc, and just uh, an incredible game. Also pulled down 11 rebounds while he was at it as well in the Bucks 113-102 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Giannis Adetokounmpo, another win. He took it strong to the rack. He finishes with 33 points and 11 rebounds, 13 of 21 from the field. After the game, he talked about it with reporters. Hi. Hi. Um, I want to make sure I, I get this right. So Chris is the first Bucks player with 20 points in a fourth quarter in a playoff game over the last 25 years. And the only other Bucks player with 20 points in any playoff quarter was also Chris. What, what is it like? Say that, say that, say that again. He's the, he's the first player. In the, so he's the first Bucks player with 20 points in a fourth quarter over the last 25 season, 25 seasons, and the only other Bucks player to ever have 20 points in any quarter of a playoffs is also Chris. Greatness. Greatness. What I saw today was unreal. It was freaking unbelievable. Carried the team at the end, uh, man, and just you know being able to like he turned the ball over like two times, and after that he was like locked in. He was like passing the ball and. Um, we were giving the ball, you know, and uh, I've talked in the past that there's moments that, you know, we know when to set screens for him. We know when he wants the ball, and that was the moment. We were like, get the hell out of the way, give him the ball, take us home, Chris, and uh, that's what he did. And uh, as I said, you know, I talked to him a little bit in the locker room. You know, what I saw today was unbelievable, and for me it was greatness, similar as that. 
Eric asked Bobby about the fact that Chris isn't necessarily known for being the most athletic player. And Bobby immediately jumped in and said, well, at the combine, you can measure jumping, you can measure speed, you can measure all these things. One thing you can't measure is heart. And he has the most of that. I'm wondering at what point you've kind of seen that evolve and change in the work that Chris puts in day in, day out to result in this. I think throughout the whole journey of being with him for eight years, you know, from the start, like obviously we are young, tried to figure it out, but you know, once we started to figure it out, that showed that he was like, it's tough, you know, and uh, he's going to give everything for the team, um, every given night, uh, every time he step on the floor, no matter if he plays well, no matter if he doesn't play well, he's always there. He's always giving everything for the team, and uh, that's a lot, that's a lot. Thank you. A couple of years ago, you had told me a story of like when you two were both fighting for playoff, like for playing time at the start of your career. You're both fighting. You have scratches all over your arms. Like, what does it mean for you that that dude is still with you and he's the one that's closing playoff games? Uh, it's, it's an unbelievable journey, you know, and uh, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. We we're talking about maybe like. I don't know, maybe like a few days ago, four days ago, five days ago, we were in the locker room and uh, we are talking about like, how long are you going to play for? You know, we just had a silly conversation and he like, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but like I told him, I said, hey, the day you retire, is going to be the toughest day in my career because like I've been with you the whole time and uh, it's been an unbelievable journey. It's great seeing this guy, man, uh, where we started, where we are, where he started, where he is right now. I just said closing games. Uh, and uh, that's what we need from Chris. We need him to you know, be aggressive. We need him to uh, take over games, make good decisions, and um, play often. The other day, he had said he had never seen you make that little up and under finger roll in a one-on-one setting. What have, you, I'm just, <laughs> what have you seen from him in a one-on-one set? Like, what is it like if you two are playing one-on-one? Like, is it the same thing uh, right there? Uh, what do you mean? The same thing that, hell no. No, I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> uh, one thing that, like, I was like, it was strange to me, like, today that I saw from him. Like, we got the rebound, and Drew was in the right side of the floor. I was in the middle, and he was, like, in the left corner, right? He was like, you know, begging for the ball. And I'm looking, I'm like, he's not open, you know? But like, he took the ball, Drew took the ball, swing it, I think, to Pat or somebody, and they swing it to Chris, and Chris like, pound fake, tried to drive the ball, did not drive the ball, came to the three-point line, took a step to the corner, like almost like behind the backboard, cashed. You know, like that's that's greatness to me. You know, and uh, like we, you've done that when we play one on one a lot of times. And uh, I think uh, one thing that over the time that he got better, especially against me, is that he learned how to like use his body and his shoulders and his uh, stops to like shoot over me. He's he's really elite in that. How mad are you when he gets one over the top? I feel like I'm, not many. Not myself. <laughs> You know, because, like, he's one of those players that you play great defense and uh, you're right there and you're like, okay, I got him. I got him. He, he can't go nowhere. And all of a sudden, he's just rainbow shot over the top of you, cash. 
you know, but he's he's special for a reason, and um, he showed it tonight. Giannis, um, aside from the physical stuff and putting in the work, what is your buddy even mentioned like sort of the composure, and how have you seen that maybe grow from? You know, we get four fouls after three quarters, and he, he admitted he's like, I didn't like those calls. Maybe get a little frustrated, but then turns it around. Where is that part of experience of in terms of Chris? Just Chris. like learning, I'm not getting calls. Maybe I shouldn't get called, but then able to kind of block that out, put it aside, and not let it linger to the end of the game. You know, he's the ace of Carlos fans, you know, and um, Marvel goes on in the first quarter, first half. Whatever the case might be, you gotta let it go. You gotta keep playing the game. You know, you gotta do whatever it takes to win the game. Um, and if you get called by silly fouls, or if you turn the ball over, or if you make wrong decision, you gotta keep playing uh, because um, that's what the team wants us to do. You know, to keep playing and figure out the way uh, to put ourselves in a position to win the game. But I think um, he played great throughout the fouls. Um, I don't remember the fouls. I don't know. Finish with what? Uh, four, 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 I guess you speak to that today and what that meant. When did you feel like, okay, they need to hear from me so we can get back in this? No, um, uh, like I'm a guy, uh, I lead by example, and um, I don't talk a lot, but I talk, I talk specific, you know, and, and uh, at that moment, you know, when I see heads down and um, that the game might be going away, I try to remind guys one stop at a time one position at a time you know and uh, in that way we can put ourselves in a position like that doesn't mean we're going to win the game but the mindset changed now instead of like okay uh they're up 15 they're here you know the threes uh we can't we can't stop them whatever the case might be let's uh focus on one stop one possession at a time and there's moments you know that i feel that i have to you know, say that, you know, uh, but at the, at the end of the day, um, like, it's not that I feel like I'm the leader of the team after before. I, I doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. You know, the other guys vocal, TJ is vocal, Chris is vocal, Drew is vocal, but I'm, uh, I try to, uh, as I said, not talk a lot, but talk specific, you know, be specific with my words and uh, try to throw them out there in the right time, because I think it means more to uh, the people that try to listen to you. Yeah, she ended up on the um, injury, injury report today. What's, what's going on? I hurt my pinky. No. Uh, no, no, I, I, I was good. You know, I was just a little bit sore, uh, banged up from uh, game two. That's pretty much it. Um, I was good. And uh, hopefully, you know, I get some uh, rest tomorrow and uh, get ready for game four. When, um, when, when the Nets... They, I mean, they start out, you know, they had Patterdine, they had KD was coming back, and then they traded for James. The whole league was talking about how that's a super team. This is their year. Um, how hard was that for you to kind of like, block that out and kind of stay the course? Now you're two, two wins away from the finals. 
I, I didn't focus on that. I'm not on social media, so I didn't know what they were talking about. First of all, I didn't know the trade happened, you know. So I, I you know, I went to the locker room, locker room talk. Guys, oh, do you saw James Harden went to the net? So I tried to stay away from that. Obviously, I knew they're, they're going to be a very, very tough team to beat. And um, one guy, two guys can do it. We got to do it as a team, and that's what we did. Uh, it was a tough series, and uh, but uh, we played great basketball. We were able to advance. But uh, now we just got to focus on one game at a time. Like game four, it's, it's a big game. It's a big game for us, and uh, and also for the Hawks. Uh, but we got to do what we do. We got to keep playing good basketball, keep helping one another, keep finding each other on the offense. And uh, if we make it to the finals, we make it to the finals. But like we got to focus on game four. That's I don't care about the finals. I don't care about the end of the finals. I don't care about the summit of the finals. What I care about is game four, you know, and um, that's the message to the whole team. You got to take it possession at a time, uh, game at a time, and um, just enjoy the game, and we're going to be in a good place. No, I, I trust I trust this guy to death. And uh if he wants the ball he gets the ball. Simple as that. He was knocking down shots. You know, does it really matter um who's the first guy said does not matter. We play basketball. You know, we try to win games. And if uh Bobby can come in and help us win a game, I'll take that every day. Now you know, I wanna I wanna be a winner. And uh I have I have the whole game to be know the guy i don't care about being the guy in the fourth quarter whoever wants to be the guy in the fourth quarter and uh or chris or drew or pj or bobby or brino whoever the case might be and help us win game that's what i i care about you know so yeah but i trust chris to death if chris asks for the ball better give him the ball who we got <laughs> trey injured his ankle uh he did quarter. yeah and he has to get an mri uh, tomorrow how do you think that changed their offense down the stretch? Because defensively, I think you held up the three baskets in the last seven minutes. So uh, I didn't see him. He backed up and stepped on the referee's foot and rolled his ankle. Had to go to the locker room, came back. Well, I, didn't, uh, I wish him a healthy recovery. Hopefully, he's ready for game four. Uh, big vocal point in their offense. Uh, so yeah, as I said, I wish him, I wish him the best. I hope he can uh, be able to compete at Game Four. Uh, but yeah, the the Hawks definitely need him. You know, as I said, he's, he's a big part of what they do, and he's a he's tough, you know, he's tough to guard. So, so yeah. So what was working for your defense late though? What was working? Really helping them. Uh, switching, keeping guys in front, making them make a play. You know, do uh, not let them to go, not let them go downhill, uh, and just making them make tough shots. Like as you see, um, uh, Herder, um, Young, Boogie, all those guys. Like they were trying to make tough shots over, like playing one on one, make tough shots over length. You know, so that's what we we want, and uh, we we're able to get that in the last uh, five minutes. Uh, and we were able to rebound the ball as well better today. So that, that's why we were in a good spot and we won the game. Mark Schwartz, last one. 
Giannis, you know Chris Middleton better than just about anybody on the planet. Why do you think 38 NBA general managers essentially missed on this guy and he waited till the 39th pick to be chosen in the second round of the draft? What didn't they see? I don't know. Man. That's a tough question. I'm not a GM, so, you know, I can't. I can answer that question. I'm really good at uh, identifying uh, talent, like finding talent. But uh, in that case, you know, obviously they, they made a mistake. This guy's a two-time All-Star, uh, leading his team to uh, uh, through the Isakars Finals. Uh, great player, being always every night is always there. So uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm happy that uh, he's on my team. Uh, and the uh, 38 GM missed out on him. What is there inside that guy that you can't measure in a combine? Uh, Bobby said it, I think, said it best, his heart. His heart is always there. Like, he's always there. No matter if he's hurting, no matter if he's not feeling well, no matter if he's not playing well, he's always there. And uh, that says a lot. Two-time NBA MVP Giannis Adetokounmpo now six wins away from being an NBA champion. Also, last night, Bobby Portis with some key minutes, 16 and a half of them to be exact. Shot 7 of 12 from the field, finished with 15 points, a plus-minus of 17. Also pulled down four rebounds as well. He was asked about his game after it was all over at State Farm Arena. So what is what is that like to watch, I guess, compared to... Compared now, considering the stakes versus when you saw him maybe get hot like that. I see it every day, bro. I see it every day. He he's a load man, one on one. He's he's tough. Um, get to his get to his spot. Uh, he makes his shots. Uh, he puts the time, man. I see him every day. He do, does the same thing um, every day. I've been watching, um, you know, Chris Giannis and Drew every day. Um, you know, they're they're big with doing the same thing. You know, doing their routines. Um, you know, getting their reps in, and um, you know, it shows on the court. Um, he's a confident basketball player. Um, he takes those shots and he makes them. Um, sometimes when he misses, he's still a good shot because, you know, we all have the utmost confidence in him. The fact that he isn't, like, overwhelmingly athletic, like, what does that kind of say to you? I mean, shoot, that? to me, um, when you first come into the league, um, you know, in the combine, you do all these tests, the verticals and sprint and things like that. But you can't test what's inside of somebody. That's the one thing that you can't test in the league. You can't test somebody's heart. You can't test, you know, how much they, how much time they put into the game and all that. So, um, you know, he's a big time, you know, hard worker. Um, hard work always pays off at the end of the day. Um, we dedicate yourself. We sacrifice. Uh, I see it every day, man. He doesn't go out. He doesn't do anything. He's all basketball, and um, he's all in. And, you know, that's one thing that you can't test when guys come into the league is, you know, if they're going to put the time in, um, you know, and, and, you know, if they're going to dedicate themselves to this game. I know you're someone that really likes the art of basketball. What do you appreciate about his footwork? It, it just seems like yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, you know, we, he he could get to his spot and knock it down. Doesn't matter if the guy's over him or not. He's just locked in on his shot, um, and you know he 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 makes tough shots, man. He's a he's a tough shot maker, man. He's made tough shots all year, and even in these playoffs, man, he's hit some big shots for us to you know propel us to wins. You know, we need that for him. You know, going forward as well, man. Continuing on our path to try to win this championship. 
for you personally, what were you thinking about getting that post up on Lou Will? It felt like every time you saw him on the floor, it was, I'm going to get down. Now, that's just me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a thirsty basketball fan. I like to score the basketball. That's just me, man. If I, you know, feel like I have a, a matchup, I'm trying to run to the rim and seal and, you know, go up. Um, you know, they're, uh, they didn't do a good job of getting back tonight. So, you know, we watched film the last couple of days and they've done the same thing. Um, so just trying to run to the rim, you know, uh, sit on the, uh, sit in the paint and just go up with the basketball. And, um, you know, we've been doing that and pricing that all year and, you know, it worked out tonight. Hey, Bobby, Joe Barton, I don't mean right now in the moment, because obviously everything's very exciting, um, but all year, What's it been like to be a Milwaukee Buck compared to some of the other clubs? It's way different, man. Um, with me, I appreciate it, the journey, man. Um, when you first come into the league, obviously, when you get drafted to a team, you love that team to death. Like, I love the Bulls. Like, that's like that's a lifelong dream of mine. Like, I was, in, I was in Arkansas for 20 years of my life, and then my first big city and first city I lived in beside Arkansas was Chicago. So it was, it was I loved it. But the one thing that you can't really, uh, you know, compare is, you know, um, you know, championship aspirations, man. Um, when you're on a, on a tanking team or losing team, you know, you create bad habits and you do things, you know, the wrong way. And sometimes coach lets you slide on things because, you know, you just plan to play. Uh, when I came here, everything matters. Like the low man matters. Uh, you know, help the helper, everything, everything, coaches on me about everything. So it makes you lock in more and it makes you appreciate day by day uh, that much better. And, um, you know, just how hard the guys work, how, how locked in they is, make me lock in even more too, because uh, when I step out there, I don't want to let my teammates down knowing that I wasn't ready. I go out there and try to give them my all for these guys. You mentioned uh, when you talk about Chris, that he just, he doesn't go out and just shows up and plays. Yeah. And, um, I think when you're talking to some other guys who played here over the years, it's kind of like a, it seems like a very low drama organization. Yeah. It's pretty quiet. Is that, has that been your... Because it's a smaller city, man. Uh, I played in the big markets, man. There's no... Yeah, I played I play Chicago, man. When you play on the big market teams, you know, you get all the... You know, they want the big star. They want the big the, the big time names and things like that. Here, it's not about that. We just, like, we just locked in with one another. We all on one accord. We all get along with each other. We all hang out with each other. We all, you know, know each other's family. Like it's a big time family oriented organization. And I'm happy to be here and be a part of it. It just makes me come in and makes my day, makes my job easier to do. When I come in, I know every day I can come in and talk to him about more than just basketball. I can talk about, about real life situations. And that's, that makes the game much more better for me. Not sure if you know Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bobby, this team needed toughness going into the season. You're a tough player. Yeah. You, DJ, you, you know, you were at this spot. What does it mean for you to be embraced in this way, for you to be your full self and not have to hold anything back and you can just be the Bobby Portis that you can tell everybody to work with? Um, just, it feels good, man. But at the same time, we still have a, still have a job to do. But to answer your question, man, it's just, Makes me, like I said, it makes my job that much easier knowing that I can just be myself every day. I don't have to, you know, sugarcoat anything or maybe just tone it down a little bit. They they want me to be me. So um, having guys and having teammates and coaches that believe in me and trust in me to go out there and be myself every day just makes it that much funner to go out there and play the game and play the game with passion. Um, I, I worked ent entirely hard. Uh, I was off 10 months. I sacrificed a lot over those 10 months. And um, it just... 
I'm, I'm just happy that the hard work is paying off and the sacrifice is too. Do you feel like you sort of gassed up Chris and Giannis, but that your toughness kind of rubbed off on them a little bit back? I just try to bring energy every day. Um, like one thing about me, man, they call me BP. I'm like the gas, man. You go to the gas station, I'm always going to have some energy and some gas for you, man. So that's just what I do. I go out there and just play my role, uh, be myself every day and just, you know, try to bring some juice off the bench, man. I know my role. I play my role to to the best of my abilities. While I'm making shots or not, I'm still going to play hard and give it my all. And that's all that, you know, you can really ask of a player in this league is go out there, do his assignment and um, play hard in his role. I mean, we've talked a lot about are working hard. What are some of those maybe small differences that separate someone who's a really hard worker from someone who just you know, shows up, still works, but isn't that? What are those differences? Can you ask the question again one more time? You have to work hard to get to the league. Yeah. But what are the differences between the hard work you're talking about that maybe Giannis and Chris put in that separates themselves? Uh, just a sacrifice, man. Um, them guys sacrifice. I've been on teams where, you know, like some of the best players might go out or might do things out of the ordinary. Obviously, it's COVID protocols, but but uh, those guys really sacrifice, man. They dedicate themselves to this game. Uh, they do all the extra things. Uh, they take care of their bodies. Uh, they get on the table every day, get to stretch and get in the cold tub. They do all the things necessary for them, for them to play at a high level. Um, being with that and being around that just makes me do the same thing. I just try to follow their path, follow their lead, so I can, you know, be the best I can be in my position and in my role. So um, I think what separates guys at this level, um, at their at their level that they're at, at the all-star level and superstar level that they're at, is just their sacrifice. Um, some guys, you know, are great guys and they're talented, but, you know, they don't sacrifice to be and to get the full potential out of themselves. And uh, I think those guys put the time in, too, but the sacrifice is the biggest thing in life, man. When you want to be the best you can be, you have to sacrifice and, you know, some of the things that you want to do. Maybe it's going out. Maybe it's family time, whatever it is. Man, them guys are super locked in on trying to win a championship. And um, I think when Jeff T and PJ first came here, they like, damn, nobody told me nothing up. Like, nobody said anything. Y'all watch film every day. It's, they were joking around like, damn, y'all really locked in. And, it's been fun, man, on this journey this year. Bucks bench big man Bobby Portis after the ball game again, fifteen points for Portis in sixteen minutes off the bench, seven of twelve shooting. Uh, did make one of his three three point attempts. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Doug Russell podcast. Again, I'll be on after each and every Bucks post game show from here on out. So hopefully, there. I l- listen. I'd love to have some seven game series because I think they're exciting, but. Just six more wins is all I think Bucks fans could possibly ask for, no matter how those six wins come. Uh, but the Bucks have never in the last almost 50 years. Now, they went to the NBA Finals, of course, in 1974, but they haven't been this close to an NBA championship since 2001. Uh, when they were five wins away from an NBA title. Right now, as we sit here today... Uh, listening, I, don't, I, I hope you're listening to this as they go in sequential order. But uh, as the Bucks, as I sit here recording this right now, six wins away from being able to pop the champagne, 
to bring home a Larry Obie and to have a parade down Wisconsin Avenue. You can always hit us up on our socials. You can find me on Twitter, uh, me on Twitter, just very simply, at Doug Russell. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram, at Doug Russell Pod. You can find us on Instagram, or I just said Instagram. You can find us uh, on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube as well. For all of our shows, for the entire back catalog available for a free download, feel free to hit us up at www.dougrussellpod.com. I'll be doing Bucks coverage all week long it'll be very buck centric uh for the uh at least the next week or so as uh, this is uh, again a team that i think is poised to win a championship i didn't say that in 2018 when the brewers were a win away from going to the world series i just thought that the dodgers had too much firepower and in the end they did and the dodgers then wound up losing to the red sox in the world series uh, the Packers were a win away from going to the Super Bowl back in January. I don't. I just kind of had an uneasy feeling about that as well. I thought that the Packers were the better team, but you never bet against Tom Brady. Right now, I I feel confident. I don't want to feel confident. It's not in the nature of a Wisconsin sports fan to feel confident. But I'm telling you, of the four teams that are left, I honestly, truly believe that the Bucks are the better of all of those four teams. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the show. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, stay with us. If you're a Bucks fan, we'll be talking about the Bucks for the foreseeable future right here on the Doug Russell Podcast, including a Game 4 preview coming up in about, oh, as I again, as I record this, hopefully about 24 hours or so. Have a great Monday. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Doug Russell Podcast. <laughs>